I like to say um, mom stands for your M is your, your, you're the motivator, you know, okay, we can do this, whether it be there's a beautiful mountain at the end or there's a chocolate bar at the end, whatever, <laughs> whatever gets them going. Um, the, you know, your O is, you know, opportunities always, always provide the opportunity. Sometimes, you know, we may like it in the sun. They might want to put galoshes on and do that hike splashing in puddles, but make the opportunity. Um, and then, and then move, you know, and not necessarily movement like Shantae says, but, um, be willing to move out of their way once you've provided this opportunity. Welcome to Mom Strength, a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabi Veach, physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as the Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Friends, I'm so excited to be having a conversation today with someone really special who I have, have actually never really met or chatted with before. I wanted to welcome Carmen Whitmore um, to the podcast today. Carmen is someone who is a mom of my business coach, Dr. Shante Cofield. So Shante is my business coach and one of my mentors. And one of the most influential things about her is her sheer joy and confidence and she attributes a lot of that confidence to how she was raised and to her mom Carmen so Carmen hello welcome to the mom strength podcast I'm so happy to have you on here today how are you I'm good thank you thank you so much for having me this is this is a true honor and a pleasure Uh, I'm really really excited to chat and I wanted to know a little bit more about you let me hear your story who are you now um, you know, tell me about your kids. How many kids do you have? Um, who am I now? I, I am know a... it's a very broad question. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot in there that we can we talk we can talk about. <laughs> I have four wonderful wonderful children. Um, Shante being the oldest. Um, I have Justin. I have Cecilia, and then my my big wow moment, which um, is my youngest Daniel, who's 18. Um, I have two grandchildren that I absolutely adore um, and that's me for right now until <laughs> other things come along <laughs> so four kids um, and kind of a wide variety of ages too right because um, yes. I you mentioned that your last your most recent kid your most recent postpartum experience is 18 years ago um, so tell me a little bit about how how that was, you know, having a child when you were a lot younger and then having a child when you were older, how did your body, how did you feel going through that? Um, I like to tell people, uh, I had Shantae at 22. Um, so I like to tell people at that age, your child could be in a whole different room and you know, when they're doing something, you know, where they're going to fall, <clears throat> your hand can reach around corners and catch them. Yeah. Um, by the time I had Daniel at 40, I kind of just look at him and say, oh, you fell. And that's it. <laughs> it just doesn't work the same. It's just not the same thing. Yeah, the, the, your speed and your agility may, may change over time, right? Yes. Um, and, and I imagine, too, 
you know, first time parent, you're probably a little bit more nervous and (laughs) cautious. And then as the children come, maybe a little bit less so. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And your body takes a, um, takes a little bit of a beating Mm -hmm. substantially older. You get through it, but it definitely, um, and there's things that you don't, I don't know if you ignore them or you just don't see them, um, which is when I first spotted one of your things. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I said, I have some of the issues she's talking about, but I haven't had a baby in 18 years. Hmm. And that's the thing is, you know, sometimes when we, when when I work with clients is like, how long have you had these issues? Right. Because a lot of people don't even realize that, you know what, I've had this pain or I've had this leaking since, you know what, I've had this for 15 years. I've had this for 18 years because it's something that I think we don't actively talk about with our friends or it doesn't come up in conversation much. So we just think it's a part of part of the motherhood experience, part of the postpartum experience. And we're just like, yeah, we accept it. And, and that's okay too. You know, we don't always have to um, address everything if it doesn't bother you. But when it does start to bother you, that's, those are things that we, it's never too late to address any of those things. Um, And that's so interesting that you say how having a baby later on does take a huge toll on your body because nowadays, you know, I live in Toronto, Ontario, which is a big city. And I'm noticing that people generally have their first child in their mid thirties to early forties. And so they don't have that experience to compare themselves to like you did. Right. They don't know that like, oh my gosh, like my body would have recovered a lot faster. I would have felt a lot more comfortable if I had my baby at you know 22 or 25. But because you know I'm a professional who sees people in both ends of the spectrum, I see it and I know for sure that it is harder as we get older. Okay. Um, I'm 35, so I had my second at... I guess I would have been 34. I have to think about my age. This whole past year was a, has been a blur. And so I had my first at 32. And definitely from 32 to 35, it's only been three years. But there was, there is a difference. You know, your body is a little bit older and things feel a, a tiny bit slower <laughs> each year. Uh, and that's kind of the important uh, importance I find of, you know, strengthening and staying active. So tell me a little bit about that because you are – you know, adventure queen, you're out and about hiking and walking. So tell me about that. Where did you first start um, becoming interested in that? Um, I've always been a walker per se, um, not to the extent of what it is now. Um, I took numerous vacations with with not so much Shantae because she was away at college and doing things. Um, her vacations were mainly Disney kind of thing. Um, with the other ones, we did a lot of Arizona. We did uh, Utah. And it was always the kids were like another rock. We got to climb another <laughs> rock. Um, and I think now they appreciate it. And then once Daniel got a little bit older, then it's like, okay, I can do this by myself. It, you know, so you become a little bit more um, adventurous and it just, it just went from there. It's like, okay, let me extend it. Let me climb. Let me, and taking myself out of my comfort zone per se. I like warm weather. Mm-hmm like the rain I hate the snow um but yet I did an ice hike for my 58th birthday to try to conquer the the hate of the snow Um, I was like wow this is not too bad um so it's you're like when I'm concentrating on the pain in my legs the snow is not that bad (laughs) I just kept pushing and it's funny because on that snow hike was when the leaking per se first came into Mm. conversation with a couple of other women 
and one of them stopped and I said, what happened? And she said, I had to cough. So I was like, okay, she must didn't want to wet my pants. I was like, oh, I'm not the only one that does yes. this. And she's actually got a year on me age-wise. And mm -hmm. of course we talked about it the whole way after. I was like, wait a second, this is not normal. <laughs> Something is not, just took it for granted. It was normal. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I just, you know, I just kind of went with it. All right, let me try five miles. Let me try six. Let me try seven. And the last one we did 23 on Saturday. And that's miles, right? Yes. Because yeah, in Canada we do kilometers. So I'm always like, yeah, 23 kilometers. Wait a second, miles. That's like... <laughs> 1.6 times like that's a lot more that's amazing congratulations so Thank I didn't you. realize it was your birthday recently happy belated well actually it was in February oh it was in February it was still your birthday and I just kind of just kind of went from there and then last night I was on the telephone with my hiking partner in crime and she goes what do we do next and she sends me this thing for 35 miles I said take it down a notch <laughs> take it down just a little bit <laughs> baby step um, and so where do you live? I live in Pennsylvania, East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. So you have lots of access to hiking and mountains. Oh, yeah. and Yeah, many. I'm, I'm close to the New Jersey line. I'm close to the New York line. Uh, not that I mind traveling. I'll do two hours and then get on a mountain, do what I got to do, and then come back. Yeah. Uh, I'm too tired. Then I find some place to crash, and then I come home. Nice. How close are you to, like, the Adir Adirondack uh, Mountains? Um, probably about three and a half hours okay that's not too far I've I've hiked there a, f a few times and it's just so beautiful yep and so it's funny that you mentioned the leaking a lot of really athletic strong women also tend to leak so we used to think that like leaking is for you know frail older people who you know don't have any control but that's not actually the truth is many people are really strong and sometimes the muscles are actually too tight or too too tense mm -hmm. um and I've leaked on hikes before when before I had kids I remember one hike that I did in uh, my husband and I went to Costa Rica and we're like this is the tallest mountain in Central America we, we gotta hike it and it's 20 kilometers to get to the top and then you know you come back but you can stay overnight at the top because it's a really long long um long hike so 15 kilometers in we stay overnight at this little like hut thing uh, and it's freezing. They give you this like tiny blanket. And I'm like literally like shivering all night, wondering if I'm going to die. And you wake up at three in the morning. So you hike to the top to catch the sunrise. And from the top, you can actually see the view of the Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic. So that's wow. the like big reason people really want to go up there. We did it. And it was definitely cloudy. And we, we waited and we waited for 45 minutes to an hour. And we're like, maybe it'll clear up. It didn't. But you know what? It was still such a rewarding hike. You know, I was really proud of myself for pushing myself. But then on the way back down, my muscles were so shot. And I would like the last three kilometers of the hike, I would literally walk, you know, a few steps and then have to pee and walk a few steps and have to pee. And that's when I really realized, I was like, hmm, this isn't normal. Like this isn't happening to anybody else here. Um, <laughs> and, you know, my interest in, I guess, like pelvic health started before I had kids. So tell me a little bit about, um, you mentioned that when your kids were young, you started incorporating them and you brought them on little adventures on hikes. We try mm -hmm. to do that with our kids. And it's, I laughed when you said that they were kind of like, oh, another rock. <laughs> Because my daughter's three and she's kind of at that age where sometimes she's really curious and excited and other times she's just like, I want to go to the park, like the playground. I want my bar. I want a treat. And 
it's like, how do you foster that interest and how do you keep encouraging that interest uh, when maybe they're young and they're like, they don't see the point. Right. Um, I guess making it almost like a scavenger hunt kind of thing. Mm. Um, I like to say um, mom stands for your M is your, your, you're the motivator, you know, okay, we can do this, whether it be, there's a beautiful mountain at the end, or there's a chocolate bar at the end, whatever, <laughs> whatever gets them going. Um, the, you know, your O is, you know, opportunities always, always provide the opportunity. Sometimes, you know, we may like it in the sun. They might want to put galoshes on and do that hike splashing in puddles, but make the opportunity. Um, and then, and then move, you know, and not necessarily movement like Shantae says, but um, be willing to move out of their way once you've provided this opportunity where you think, okay, we'll just splash in a couple of puddles and it won't be bad. Um, they might want to take their galoshes off and put their feet in there instead of be like, no, 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 don't do that. You're like, okay, let me hold your galoshes while you do it. Let me just move back and let them do um, what you, in essence, gave them the opportunity to do. Um, and so sometimes you just have to go with it. Just let the kids go with it. Let them lead and let them do what they... Exactly. That's, I love that. So M for motivator, O for opportunities, and M for move. I love that because I think that's something that many of us struggle with. And I think partially it's because of the way we were raised, especially, you know, many of us, when we were girls and grew up to be women, we were parented in a way where it was like we were told what to do, told to be nice, told to listen, um, you know, fit into this mold, don't stand out too much. You know, we essentially weren't allowed to be fully ourselves. And I know a lot of people struggle with that now as mothers themselves is like, how do you encourage your kids to do as they they innately want to do um when your your instincts are telling you to try to mold them because that's what you were raised with um and you know do you remember when you were growing up what was that like were you raised with that kind of fit into this mold to fit in or were you raised with parents that were kind of similar to you um it was definitely there was a mold I went Mm. to Catholic um, grammar school I went to an all-girls Catholic high school there was no choice this is what my parents said we had to do and this was what we did um, and I think that was part of what um, instilled in me let's try to go slightly the opposite um, not that I mean my, my parents were great parents but they were raising me the way they were raised mm-hmm. and I wanted to try to go you know just a little bit um, different. I remember when Shantae was um, five, we went Easter clothes shopping. And for me, when, when I grew up, my mother got the little bonnet and we had the little white shoes and we had the little dress. And I remember going to the store and Shantae said she wanted a suit. She wanted a boy's white suit. She wanted, she picked a turquoise color shirt yeah, and, and a turquoise <laughs> and pink and white tie. And I remember going to my mother-in-law's for dinner and she kept, I mean, for brunch and she kept looking at me like she has on a boy's suit. And I said, that's what she wanted to wear. So that's what she wore. Wow. I stepped back. That's what she wanted. My mother probably would have had a fit, but no, no, you need the bonnet. Um, but there was no bonnet. This is what she wanted. And, and it's, so that's the, it was just, I tried to go slightly different from what my from up my parents and I'm pretty sure my mother probably cringed (laughs) 
some of what I did. Um, you know, and I see it now with my daughter, with my two grandkids. Um, she definitely parents different than a, that's her style, you know, and you learn to embrace that. It's, it's growth. It's just mm. growth. And first of all, that's hilarious because I feel like Shante at the age of five knew exactly who she wanted to be and <laughs> what she was wearing. Um, and that's amazing. And I think it's amazing, amazing that you fostered that and supported that. Because I think one of the things that I hear from moms, they're afraid of their children being bullied or they're afraid of their children being different. And, you know, even something as simple as like, oh, I don't want my child to be um, eat too many chocolates and, you know, she might be too chubby and then she might be bullied for that. Mm -hmm. And one of the perspectives that I have, because I grew up in India and then I moved to Bahrain, then I moved to Canada. So I've moved all over as a kid and uh, I was bullied for different reasons because you're an immigrant, you're oh, no. I was smaller than everybody else, I was tiny. So I realized that it doesn't matter who you are, there's always going to be someone who has a problem with something. And mm-hmm. so if you're always trying to fit you yourself or fit your kids into this mold, you know, you're setting themselves up for failure because A, they don't get to be who they are. Um, and you're telling them that they can't handle it. That, you know, if somebody does say, oh, I don't like your shoes or I don't like what you're wearing – that, you know, that they will be hurt and broken and that they won't be able to handle it. And I I don't know many people who are my age who were raised with parents like you who were actually instilling that confidence in them from a young age and that trust because you trusted your child Mm -hmm. and you said, you know what, I trust that you know exactly what you're going to want to wear and that's, I'm fully behind you. And did you have any, um, I guess, pushback from people in your family or your friends and saying like, why do you let your kid do that? Or why do you, you know? Um... (laughs) I never had it. No one actually ever said anything to me. Mm. Um, you do get that occasional stare. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can be pretty strong and I stare back. You're like, what are you looking, what are you looking at me for? Like, what, you know, do you see a problem? <laughs> and they tend to kind of back off. Um, but no one ever actually said anything. You know, um, I mean, I just kind of let them go with what they want to do. You know, my um, Justin did his sports initially, you know, very jock-like kind of person and then he switched in the other direction and he was out with the with the trees and doing his own thing that was him that's what worked for him you know Cecilia for years didn't like wearing shoes she hated it (laughs) she didn't like shoes never wore shoes she just didn't like them very um hippie flower child kind of thing and then and then she totally made a turn she was a cheerleader her whole life and then and then joined the marines and so within yourself you say oh this is almost like an oxymoron. She went from a cheerleader to, but this is what she wants. So you step back and you say, okay, this is what she wants. You support, you go, you go, you go. And with, with Daniel, Daniel, Daniel never knew how to be a, a child per se, because his siblings were always older. Mm. He always thought he was an adult, you know, like, yeah, I can do this. You know, I remember one day, he was about six and initially Dan Justin used to start the car in the mornings for me to take him to school or take him down the driveway. And one morning um, I said, all right, let's get ready to go. And Daniel goes, I'll start the car. And I said, the hell you will. What are you talking about? <laughs> he said, start the car. And he said, well, Justin always said, well, you can't start it. And, but he knew how to start the car. And I was so taken aback, but he just, he relates very, very well to older people. Um, he just never knew how to be little. But they all had their own little personalities, their own little characters. And sometimes you cringe at what they decide they want to do. But it's okay. Just step back and watch and 
you know, if they ask for my opinion, sometimes even when they don't ask, I'll give it. Um, <laughs> and you kind of like, okay, they got this. They're okay. They got this. I think that's I think that's the thing is we're trying to save our kids hurt. Right? We we don't want them to be hurt. We, but then what we don't, you know, I'm I'm working through this myself. Is like if I'm projecting myself onto my kids, and my kids are different people. So what may have hurt me may not hurt them. And so I need to let them be who they are because they're going to find their own way and just trust innately that they've got it. Right. Um, what would you say is one of the you know toughest parts of watching your kids grow and you know maybe make a mistake that you're like that's definitely not a wise decision, um, but you're going to let them do it anyways. You know, um, the the move portion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I try to remind myself that whatever mistakes they are making um, will help uh, solidify, I guess, or form part of their character. That's going, you know, getting into a situation, figuring out how to get out of it, um, and then growing from there. You know, stepping back and say, oh, you know, I would mm-hmm. do it a little bit different or let me help you kind of step back this is going to mold them this is going to make them stronger um it's it it's hard it's definitely mm-hmm. different. you know you want to be like oh no 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 don't do that you know and you got that one little thing on your shoulder tell them no tell them no and then the other one telling you Carmen shut up let them do what they need to do um that's probably that's probably the way I would go with it and I think for you you had that perspective of how you were raised too and mm-hmm. so it's kind of similar to me, right? It's like, okay, wear these, wear this dress, wear your hair this way, wear these shoes. And it's almost like I became a teenager and I wanted to rebel against it all. And I did. Um, and I realized that like, I don't want my kids to have to, you know, fit into a mold that they don't belong in, that, that they don't want to, you know, and my daughter's very much like that too. She's like, I don't want to wear that dress. And so we're Indian. So for like Diwali or special holidays, we, ha- we wear these beautiful clothes and they're gorgeous, but they're not that comfortable for a kid. A kid wants to be in like, you know, loop t-shirts and stretchy pants. These things are kind of restrictive, right? And so for me, it was a lot like, oh, but, but it's this holiday. You need to wear this. And now it's like, okay, do you actually need to wear this? Is it just because I was raised that way with that belief that like you must wear this? Um, and, you know, respecting that kids are still human beings with full, you know, autonomy and like they have their own wants and needs. That was one thing that I was actually really surprised by when I became a parent. I didn't know how quickly kids would just have their own opinions yes you know it's like they're born with their own opinions and we we often in our society think of kids as like little objects right like little dolls or little you know things that will just listen to you which is we know that that's not true um and i think starting to respect them as whole humans right from the beginning uh has been kind of a big perspective shift for me right well instilling in them that they're even at a young age that their opinion matters enough to be listened to. Um, you know, at two or three, you know, I, I don't like this broccoli, mom. Okay, let me take into consideration what this kid is saying as opposed to eat your broccoli. Mm. Um, I'm growing up thinking, you know, my opinion can be squashed. Right. I can't, I can't say that this is not what I like. It is their opinion. That's so true. It's, you know, and it's removing the like, um, 
like don't get offended by it right because it's it's a three-year-old's opinion and they're allowed to not like broccoli or uh beets like we made uh my husband made beet chips because my he took my kids grocery shopping and my daughter wanted to try beet chips so you know bought the beets delicious I was like I'm obsessed with these she had like a piece and she's like I don't like this <laughs> and so it's hard to be like oh like we went went through the trouble to make it but you know what she's allowed to not like it and that's okay uh and really just respecting that I I, I love that I love that um that view of respecting that they have opinions and that they're allowed to not like things they're, they're not going to get in trouble for it and that their opinions are heard and they're part of the family so we probably won't keep making beet chips every week because we know, <laughs> know that she doesn't like it um because you're right you know when I grew up my I don't think my opinions were ever taken into account for any of those kind of family decisions and you end up feeling like you don't matter and I think many specifically I notice girls and now women grow up in those environments where they haven't mattered or their opinions haven't mattered so they struggle now as adults to like decide and like think about what do I want to do um and I love that you fostered that in your kids from a young age. You know, did you have any really re rebellious teenagers? I'm not going to say I did. Um, I, I mean, nothing really stands out that they did anything crazy or over the top. You know, they were, they were They're teenagers. Just teens. Yeah. And yeah, Tate went through, you know, the shaved head in the back and on the sides and Justin grew it long, Justin had it short, Justin dyed it. Cecilia went through a multitude of colors um, and then it was short and then it was long. And and Justin, I mean, Daniel, again, you know, he was pretty easygoing. Um, so no, not nothing really, I don't know, maybe my, my bar is not <laughs> set as looking at, I know I was pretty rebellious as a teenager. So maybe, maybe that's why I'm thinking it wasn't bad you know what and that's it right it's like I almost think about it as like the more rigid your parents are the more rebellious there's a potential of being right. uh and like not rigid in terms of like having rules in the household but like that discipline like that authoritative type of model where it's like you know parents what parents say goes kind of thing because I, I was the same I had parents like that and I rebelled a lot and they didn't understand why but for you know, for me, looking back, it wasn't even that bad. I just, I would go to concerts and like do, do things that like an average teenager would, but that's not what they grew up with. So it was, it was, uh, it was different for them. And I think that that as a parent, I, I now as a parent myself, I can see how hard that would be when your kids grow up and you raise them with your value, your belief that you're doing a good job or that you're doing the right thing and they grow up and they're like, you know what, I don't like what you've done. I'm going to do it a different way. And I always tell myself, it doesn't mean that your parents are bad parents. It's just that they were doing the best with what, what they grew up with. And right. we have to respect that it's okay to be different than them. You can still love them um, and respect them, but it's okay to do things differently. Well, we were just, um, I mean, my, my sister went to an all girls school and once I started high school, I wasn't given the choice. Do you want to go to a private school? Do you want to go to public school? It was just, this is where your sister went. So this is where I'm going. Mm -hmm. um, it was run by nuns. And back then there was a lot of comparison. Your sister wouldn't do this and your sister wouldn't do that. So then the, the rebellion really started. And um, I remember coming home and telling my parents that I didn't want to go there. And okay, well, you don't have a choice. That's where you're going. Um, so I said, well, I'll show them. I'm just going to fail in school. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
two classes intentionally. <laughs> then I go to summer school and I said, well, this kind of sucks because now I'm Now you're stuck in school more. Yeah. Um, the flip side of that was I was 16 at the time and my school actually did not have summer school. So they sent us to our brother's school, which was an all boys school. So then it switched. It's like, wait a minute, I'm in class with a bunch of teenage boys. This isn't bad. So I kept, went back and forth and my parents were on me. You need to do what you <laughs> do and graduate. And I did, but this, it just came. My sister was never one for sneaking out. Um, and I was, I snuck out all the time. Um, I just did everything the opposite just because, yeah. you know, not didn't have her things that she did. She was just better at it than I was where she didn't get caught. And I always got like, ah, oh, damn, caught again. <laughs> uh yeah I can I can resonate with a lot of that my brother is like a goody two-shoes and I definitely you know I was very smart in school and all that stuff but I definitely did my fair share of sneaking out or doing things that they they didn't necessarily approve of um but I always tell myself I was safe I didn't do anything you know harmful or bad it was just in their opinion it was not what they wanted right you learn you learn from it because I remember Cecilia trying to come in one day after being out late and there was snow on the ground. We had a lot of windows at that particular house. And I could, I, I guess she must've nudged one of the doorknobs and I heard it and I could see her. I was following from every window in the house and I could see her, you know, can I get in through this window? Can I get in through this door? And the bottom of her pajama pants were getting soaked. And finally <laughs> she came to the front door and she knocked. And I'm thinking to myself, this girl doesn't even know how to sneak back into the house. She's got it all wrong. <laughs> If you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah, you know, you but, can't knock on the door. <laughs> exactly. But this was, again, something I learned from, you know, my sneaking out, mm. per se. You know, my, yeah, Justin, I never had that issue with. If Justin wasn't going to go to school, you know what, mom, I'm not going to school today. Mm. Um, so he, it was playing hooky, per se, but, but I knew about it. Right. You know, Cecilia wanted to actually play hooky the in all sense of the word where mom doesn't know right you know, i'm out and about <laughs> but then learn how to sneak back into the house get it right <laughs> and i think there's something to be said too about it's it's like almost a rite of passage sometimes when you're a teenager to do something that you know you're not supposed to um and it's kind of like a thrill right and i remember i was in middle school and i skipped class my friend was um sick at home quote unquote sick she wasn't actually sick she was just playing hooky herself and this is really bad this could have turned out really badly but it didn't um she called the the school office and she had pretended to be my aunt and said oh can you can you call Serbi like um you know I need I need her to come home for lunch so I got on the phone I was like my aunt like I don't have any aunts in Canada and then I realized it was this this friend. And so she's like, hey, come over. We can watch TV at lunch. And I'm like, sure, sounds good. And then we just hung out all afternoon. And I never skipped school. And like in the afternoon, it was like drama class and gym, which I both loved. And so the teachers like marked me absent. And then, of course, I was, you know, I was in grade seven. I'm not thinking fully. My parents got called. They're waiting <sighs> at the school office. And I'm mortified because I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I was just literally hanging out at a friend's. I was watching TV, which seemed pretty harmless. But, you know, there's consequences to everything. But I think that that was an important lesson for me as a teenager is realizing that, like, it's not even about what I was doing. It's like you know, my mom said, you know, 
somebody called and pretended to be a family member. Like that could have turned out really badly. And I think as a teen, you think you're an adult. You think that you know everything, but you realize that you're still a kid. You're still in that learning phase. Your brain hasn't fully developed. And there's value in making those mistakes yourself and having right. parents who, you know, support you and still love you afterwards. Right. Well, you know, what's funny is my parents um, didn't know about any of the sneaking out, any of this they until I became an adult. Um, That's funny. And then when I would say, well, you know, this happened and my mother would look at me like I had three heads, like, when did this happen? <laughs> like, well, now I could no, adult. <laughs> You're like, I have my own kids now. I'm an adult. I can tell you, I, I can tell you all this stuff now. That's so funny. Um, and how did you create an environment in your home where, you know, because the kids are all, let's say, like different ages, like how did, how did you keep them close or how did you foster a relationship between them? Um, especially when you have multiple kids, like I've, I've heard that can be hard. Right. I, um, I think I'm one of those mothers that got lucky. They mm -hmm. just kind of did it on their own. Um, they just fell into place. And it, it's funny, um, I don't know if it's a connection, you know, from the the um, outer world or the senses or how it all came to be. Um, I had Shantae at 22. I had Justin at 30. I had Cecilia at 32 and Daniel at 40. Mm -hmm. So there's eight years between the two older ones, eight year between the two younger yeah. ones. Um, both girls end in the same number, but 10 years apart. Both yeah. boys end in the same the number. Same number. Um, I have two holiday kids, Shantae's New Year's, Justin is Christmas. Um, That's funny. My, yeah. My daughter was born on, um, I think that year was Armed Forces Day or something. And Daniel came two days before my dad's birthday. And people look at me and say, did you plan it that way? Yeah, because I have special eggs. No, I didn't. <laughs> special. It happened that way. I think they just kind of connected on their own. Um, I don't recall, you know, remember doing anything specific you know, or saying, hey, you need to love your brother, you know, you yeah, need to yeah, love yeah. just kind of just kind of happened. That's that's awesome. I think there is a pressure I find nowadays uh, because people are having their kids later. They're kind of getting their kids to be really close in age. Right. Or as much as possible. Like they're two years apart, 18 months apart, three years apart. Uh, and the dream of their kids being, you know, really close or like best friends. And one of the things that when my I grew up with my brother, he's six years older. We never really played. I always tagged along with him, but he was always in a different school than me. He was always in a different group of friends and, you know, different circle than me. But as adults, we're super close. And I think that we, I always think about it as like a long term, you know, in the short term, they don't necessarily have to play together or, you know, be constantly in, in each other's circle playing but in the long run, I want them to have a relationship where they're close and they can, you know, rely on each other. Right. And it's like, how do you foster that? So that's interesting. And, that, you know, for you, that kind of happened just naturally. The kids right. um, kids had that relationship. Was Shante like the responsible, the second mom of the group because she's the older um, one? For the most part, um, yes. She's always um, – and, and Cecilia's pretty mothering. Cecilia has always been, you know, has always been like that. Shantae, Shantae's always been a take charge person and that's what she's always done. She did it with Justin. Um, she did it with Cecilia. I remember Daniel, I don't know, being like four and Shantae was at Georgetown and she took him for a couple of days to school. And he, he came home and he said, I wore a little jacket. He had this little blazer and he said, coffee. He was so thrilled over that. He had coffee. That's so cute. Oh, 
Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, where you as a grandma, you know, what do you find, do you find your totally different, different approach or what, tell me about the joys of being a grandmother. As much as I love my kids, um, I adore my grandkids. I just absolutely adore them. They are, you just, you see things very, very differently through them. Um, when you're, when you're a parent and you have the four kids, it's a, I got to get this one to school. I got to get this one to sports. I got to get this one to a doctor's appointment. When they're the grandkids, the parents have to do all of that. So you just get the fun part of it. <laughs> you know, when I go over there, um, it's, you know, what, what are we going to do tomorrow? We're going to do this. It's all just adventure. All the fun stuff. Yeah. All just fun. And then you, you see little things in them. Um, with the oldest one, Jameson, sometimes we're walking on our little hikes and he'll say to me, um, hold my hand. I'll help you. I'll help you. He'll see a little puddle. I'll help you across this puddle. I got to keep you safe. That's adorable. Yeah. Sometimes the younger one will join in and say, yeah, I'll help you too. And sometimes he just looks at me like, don't wet your feet. When it looks, <laughs> depends on his mood. Um, I, I absolutely love being around them. It's, it's 150 miles from my door to their door. Um, I'll hop in a car like it's 10 minutes away. Okay, I'm going. And we plan everything and we go and I come back so refreshed per se. They just, they breathe something different into you. I don't know what it is. I can't put my hands on it. Um, but it's, it's, it's just a whole different, it's a whole different. And I get it because my dad used to always say, um, grandkids are, um, God's way of letting you do it all over again. Mm. Um, and things I used to say no to my kids, you know, you know, right now you probably shouldn't have that lollipop when the kid, when the grandkids ask here, take three lollipops. Have as many as you want. <laughs> well, this is literally a conversation I have with my mom all the time. My mom loves making all of the sweets. Like every single time there's some other dish. And as, as a parent, I'm like, mom, like, this is not what we do. Um, but that actually, I really like your perspective because Sometimes we don't listen to our own mothers, but it, it's nice to hear it from someone else that it brings you so much joy and uh, that in the grand scheme, you know, those extra lollipops don't really matter. It's, it's kind of a, as a parent, you worry about things to an extreme sometimes mm -hmm. uh, about every little thing. And it's like, some things just don't matter that much. And, you know, allowing your kids to experience that joy and that, um, that relationship with the the grandparents freely too, yeah. I think is, is valuable. I've been trying to do that myself is like step back mm -hmm. and let them, okay. My, my daughter stays over at, you know, my parent, my, I'm very fortunate. My parents live in the same building as I do. We're in a condo. And so, you know, on weekends, sometimes she'll stay over there and I'm like, whatever you do there is your, like, you can eat whatever you want to like mm -hmm. the, the same rules don't apply as they do at a home. Uh, and she's thrilled. She has like the best time. And my parents are like, so it's the same. They're just full of love. And my mom will text me. I can't wait till the next weekend. And I'm like, mom, it's like mm -hmm. Sunday night. <laughs> like it's just, the weekend it's even hard, started. Yeah, it's hard to describe it. Sometimes people will ask and it's just, I said, you can't put it into, and sometimes you put yourself in the most compromising positions. Um, my grandkids have bunk beds, you know, and the big thing is, you know, you're going to sleep in my bunk bed. And I'm like, Oh, geez, I got to climb this bunk bed. <laughs> and I'm playing on the top one with Jameson and, I and Seamus was at the bottom. And I'm thinking to myself, 
you know, he's all thrilled, you know, with all his stuffed animals and we're all, and I'm thinking, oh God, if this bunk bed falls, I'm going to crush the little one down. <laughs> oh, I couldn't sleep. And I was like, oh, so as Jameson fell asleep, I got out and I climbed down and got the other one. I know those, those kids bunk beds. I'm like, how stable is this? <laughs> I mean, just the, the most, you know, we, when we go places where my daughter and my son-in-law are in the front seat. Yeah. Back, and yeah. I sit two of them. I get terrible motion sickness, oh. awful. Even as a passenger in the front, I drive everywhere. Um, but the kids want me in the back. So I try to distract myself and I play with stuff and I eat stuff and I'm like, oh, let's get from point A to point B so I don't throw up all over the back. <laughs> I, <laughs> I used to be that way. Horrible motion sickness. I don't know. I guess I outgrew it in my 20s. Um, but I prefer driving too for that reason. Backseat's the worst. Yes. I have a couple of questions that I would like to ask you about, mm-hmm. about you. Um, what are your, what your, what are your favorite books, podcasts? Do you listen to, I know you listen to Shante's podcast. <laughs> I, I definitely listen to, I, as much as hers to be my favorite. Um, right now I'm listening to um, the mighty blue on the Appalachian trail. I don't, it's got like three or 400 episodes or something. Um, but there's just people of all walks of life all different ages and you know weight and ethnicity um mm. and it, the Appalachian Trail is on my bucket list hopefully <laughs> before the age of 65 <laughs> like listening to that um I the, the book is simple the giving tree I mean mm. I read it to my kids I would translate it into Spanish um and now we read it to my grandkids um it's I've always loved that book it's just one of my favorites. So that's pretty. <laughs> I was going to say, we have that book too. And yeah. it's such a beautiful book. My daughter, like she's now like old enough to kind of understand a little bit more. And she cries every single time. She's <laughs> like, and we talk about the giving tree and the little boy. And, you know, it's, it's actually got some really great lessons too. Yes. Um, which it, it's a fantastic book. Um we always laugh though. There's a picture of the author, Shel Silvenstein. Mm-hmm. I can forget his Silver name on the yeah. back. And I'm like, he's not smiling or anything. And I'm like, it's kind of like a, not a picture that you would imagine being on a kid's book. And right. we just, we just kind of laugh at that sometimes. You say that because I removed the cover off of the book. <laughs> That's actually a smart idea. We keep the um, dust covers on. Yeah. But well, only because Sister Cecilia at one point when she was younger, um, she told me the guy was spooky. She goes, that guy is spooky. Yes, right? <laughs> He's kind of spooky. And like, I think it'd be different if he was like smiling or like looked a little bit non, you know, kind of like serious, yes. grumpy face. <laughs> I'm like, why is this on a kid's book? And it's not like a tiny picture. It's like a huge. huge. Print. <laughs> yeah. Too funny. Then what are some things that you try to do for yourself every day? So what are three things, let's say, that you do for yourself? Um, I walk every day, whether it be rain, snow, sunny. That's my time. You know, sometimes I'll say, well, it's a little cold. I'm only going to do two miles. Um, but uh, that's my time. To, you know, something as simple as seeing a caterpillar out or a, a worm, you know, when it rains, all the worms come out. So that's my time. Um, I eat chocolate and or cheese, sometimes both, every, which I should avoid because once I went through menopause, I don't know, it's like a lactose issue and I'll have cheese and my nose gets real plugged up. My eyes start to run and I'm like, Ugh. 
So it's like, should I give up cheese? And I was like, no, just eat a little bit less. <laughs> cheese. I'm not going to give up cheese. Um, and I, for some reason, I've developed a, a caffeine. It just, it affects me very, very differently. I mm-hmm. still have it. Um, you know, I drink my strong coffee. Shantae said, try it. I tried and it's some good coffee. Um, but it definitely affects me differently. Um, that's it. My chocolate, my cheese, um, my grandkids. I speak to my grandkids probably probably easy, easy. And I'm being generous probably five times a day, what? if not through FaceTime. Oh, I call them for the simplest of things, you know, and then they call me back and then I call them and then they call me back. You know, we always put our eyeballs really, really close to the phone. I say, I see you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> those are my three must do's. That's adorable. I I'm also a chocolate every day have to have chocolate. I yes. have in the summers, I have my chocolate smoothie in the winters, my hot chocolates, um, cheese. That's funny. You say that when I had my son, my daughter three years ago, I developed an intolerance to lactose and it's mm-hmm. never been the same since. So I'll eat it occasionally, but I definitely have, it's, it's unfortunate because cheese is delicious, right. but it's very common. I'm actually going to be having on somebody who is a hormone specialist and she studies the hormones through, you know, puberty, pregnancy, postpartum, perimenopause, and all the way through menopause. And she did mention some stuff about caffeine being, um, very impactful on particularly women during those transitions. And, um, I'm curious what she's going to say about foods and, uh, I'll, I'll ask her those questions. Yeah. I'll have to look at that. And so tell me something, what's something that you've been into lately that you're passionate about? That's easy. The hiking. The hiking. hiking. I was going to say, it's for sure something Uh that stands out to me at your like joyful smile when you do your hikes. Like I, I, it's incredible. Um, it makes me really want to get back out there. I live in Toronto, which isn't really close to a lot of mountains, but usually pre COVID we'd be traveling, you know, at least Mm -hmm. once a year, do a big hike and train for it. And I look forward to getting back out there with, with the kids too. And can you tell us, can you share with us your handle, your Instagram handle? I'm sure it's hike lady, 1963. Nice and easy. So if people want to find you and share, share your um, joy with you, they can reach you there. Uh, And let's finish off with Carmen. What is your mom's strength? Um, Letting them be. Just let them be. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom with us. I feel like I learned so much today that I have a, kind of a newfound perspective of some parts of motherhood and parenting. So thank you so much for that. Um, to all of our listeners, if you enjoyed this conversation, go ahead and give, uh, give it a like, subscribe to the channel, and you know where to find Carmen at Hike Lady 1963 on Instagram. Um, and I look forward to our next conversation together. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links, and we'll chat again real soon.